Blog Talk Radio. Kind of a threat to the establishment, a threat to the status quo, and it 
they were worried at a time uh, just after the uh, the housing collapse. It was ground central there for uh, ground zero for the housing collapse. So uh, the uh, the local authorities, she said, were really worried about the fact that a lot of people were going to start to do this and that they would lose a ton of money based on this. And so they went after her and uh, tried to make an example out of her. She ended up even in just spending 30 days in jail because they tried everything. They tried uh, state health officials. They tried, uh, they even brought in animal control because she has two dogs. And uh, one of the dogs is older and uh, apparently had, uh, years ago, had some issues and had some, some missing hair, and they tried to make this claim that she was abusing this animal, ended up locking her up for 30 days in jail because she refused to, uh, to roll over and to, uh, to take a plea. And so it ended up, <clears throat> resulted that uh, the, uh, the animal control officer was fired as a result of that. So that was certainly a good uh, outcome of it. But unfortunately, she had been dragged through all this. Well, now she's working on a constitutional amendment in her state. If you, if you actually believe that, you have to have a constitutional amendment in that state that protects people who want to live off the grid. So, uh, so you know, it did, there are unfortunate things that are happening, but there's light at the end of the tunnel and uh, for a lot of people, and, and hopefully that, uh, that, that we can establish this, that if you want to live off the grid, and you, even in the city, you know, I live out far in the country, it's a lot easier to do this. But uh, even for people who live in the city or live in suburbia and they want to do this, you can do this and you can do it easily. So with that, this morning I want to welcome to my show Tyler Truitt and thank Tyler for getting up extra early this morning. I didn't realize that uh, he's actually an hour. I'm in Maryland, just outside of Washington, D.C., about uh, 30 miles outside of D.C. in a rural area. There's a dairy farm down the road for me. Uh, and uh, uh, But Tyler was kind enough to get up an hour early, uh, a little early. Uh, earlier than he expected, anyways, and joined us this morning. So welcome to the show, Tyler. Um, uh, good morning. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you could join us. Good morning, Chris. Thank you for having hey, me. Hey, uh, thanks a lot. Um, well, I guess let's just, uh, like we do, let's just start from the beginning and uh, kind of get, get, get the idea of uh, what, what, what made you want to live like this. I mean, we have there's millions of people in the United States who are perfectly happy to uh, hook up to the grid, to uh, have their TV set, and spend Sunday afternoons watching sports show and microwaving popcorn and, and uh, turning on the air conditioning in the heat of the summer? What, what kind of you know, made you want to go on this journey? Well, it's kind of a, a dream that I came up with. Um, really, before I, I moved back out here, I spent about the last five years uh, in California when I was in the military, and the cost of housing out there is just its astronomical, or to me it was, compared to you know what I thought a normal, uh, normal housing cost should be back in Alabama. And I was just thinking, you know, it sure would be great I had uh, somewhere to live that was 100% paid for and debt-free, and it was self-sustaining because what I wanted to do, I wanted to come back home, and I wanted to be able to go back to school and finish school if I if I wanted to, or work. You know, I had the option to do that, but I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a wage slave. I didn't want to be tied, locked into going to this job just to make payments on something to survive, and. Uh, so that's why I came up with this idea. I knew I wanted to to minimize my debt or just really eliminate debt, which is completely possible, uh, and to minimize any bills that I had. And that kind of was the the basis for this. And I mean, also there's of course the you know the green energy aspects and stuff to it. 
but you know, to me, it was just more about independence and you know, personal freedom and liberty. So that's it. And uh, you know, as uh, doing my research is about you know, there's only about 180,000 people in this country who uh, uh, live actively live off the grid, uh, not hooked up to any electricity, any of that. Most of them live in rural communities. They don't live in. Uh, um, in suburban or in urban areas, and it's it's a little more complicated. Can you explain a little bit Huntsville, Alabama? I've never been there. Is that you know? Is that is it a town? Is it you know where you are? Is it suburban? What's the area like? Uh, it, it is an it's an urban area where we're located at. I mean, we're kind of we're kind of right in the middle of the city, but in a very secluded area all at the same time. Um, you know, for people that are maybe from, you know, D.C. or you know, some of the bigger areas, probably like out where you guys are from and stuff, you wouldn't think of Huntsville as being a really big city. Here it's considered a big city, but there's there's really you know, not that many people here, maybe a couple hundred thousand people. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there, there are parts of town that are somewhat... Uh, somewhat crowded, but a lot of the areas that are incorporated into the city are actually more like rural rural areas and farmland and stuff, and you can drive across the city limit and not really even notice, because, you know, through the years, so many things have been annexed and incorporated, and of course, like most cities, the, uh, the city limit looks like a big checkerboard, so really, to me, the fact that it's in the city or not in the city is, is very arbitrary. So you so so what's your setup right now? You uh you 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 got yourself you bought yourself a little piece of earth. You've got a, a little home set up on there. Um and uh you are not currently attached to the uh, electrical grid or have they forced you to do that yet? No, we're not we're not hooked up to any of their their power. They actually wouldn't they wouldn't hook up uh utility for me even if I wanted them to because they they denied us all the permits, building permits and everything. Um, see, they're really they're really attacking us from two directions, and what what this started as, because I've got a little bit over two acres, and like I said, it's fairly secluded. We're surrounded uh, almost completely by trees, and you can't even see our you can't even see our house or really most of our property from any adjacent properties, um, and a lot of the area around us is wooded, so it's not like we're out here bothering anyone, but. I uh like I said I wanted something I could I could pay for in cash that would be paid for. So I had a little bit of money saved up. So I found this property. I liked it and I got a good deal on it. I thought this would be nice. Uh and it was close to work for me or fairly close. And I bought a mobile home to go out here or a manufactured home is what the technical term is. And uh had it moved out here. And then, you know, probably a few months after that, you know, I started getting the power or, or, you know, my utilities and everything set up. And that's when uh, they started sending me notices basically saying, you know, hey, you have to move your house or else. And, um, you know, I was I was like, why? Because they kept telling me that I'm not allowed to have a, a mobile home inside city limits. And I said, well, well why? Because uh, they couldn't show, no one could show me the ordinance. You know, because I talked to all these different departments and stuff, and they said, well, I don't know, but it's in there somewhere. So, first of all, they make you go and look up the laws yourself because they don't know what they are. 
So, you know, eventually after some time, I was able to find, there's like a little snippet in the back of the zoning ordinance. And it doesn't even say mobile home or anything. It says that all trailers, uh, or it says that no trailers are allowed within city limits except in designated trailer parks. Okay, well, what does that mean? You know, when you talk about a trailer, are you talking about like a little camper trailer? Because our house is, it's a full-size manufactured home. You know, it's 1,280 square feet. It's not something I can just hook up to the back of my car, you know, and move across the country with me. It's a fairly large ordeal to have these things actually put in place. And then they even take the wheels and the axles and stuff off of them now when they when they put them down. So to me, I was like, well, it's not a trailer. It's a, it's a manufactured home. And also, they don't specify the difference between, well, I don't know, this type of trailer, if if that's what they want to call it, and any other type. So according to that ordinance, you wouldn't be allowed to park your, you know, boat trailer or a tractor trailer or, you know, whatever. So I guess they pretty much, by saying trailer, they pretty much covered everything that they didn't want that they could cite you on if they wanted to. So really I started off fighting them on that because I was like, well, I don't see any, because I asked, I said, well, what is the reason for this ordinance? And no one could give me any reason. I asked all these different departments. I asked the city council and everything. No one could give me any reason. I said, well, if you can't give me any reason why I can't have a mobile home on my property that I own and I'm not hurting anyone else, and my usage of the property really was consistent with the the way it was zoned as residential because I'm using it as a single-family dwelling, uh, and I'm and again I'm not hurting anyone. I'm kind of just out of sight, out of mind. Uh, if you can't give me any reason for the ordinance saying I can't be here, I'm just going to consider that to be an arbitrary and capricious ordinance and un- unconstitutional. So uh, they couldn't give me any reason, so I pretty much ignored them. And then they I didn't really hear anything from them for a while, but. I, about a month or so after that is when they actually came out here and tried to issue us the citation for that and stuff. And when they came to issue the citation for the zoning ordinance, that's when they also, they called a different department to come out, which is community development, and they came and condemned the house. I said, well, condemn for what? They said, well, it's unsafe living conditions because you don't have city utilities hooked up. So instead of letting me live here, you know, just in peace while while the legal process unfolded, you know, I would have been more than happy. Okay, well, I'll go to court with you. We'll drag it out for, you know, a couple of years or whatever. We're just going, it's going to do that anyway. Uh, you know, they wanted to get me out of here immediately, you know, whatever, you know, by whatever means they can. And I guess, you know, like Robin has already experienced, they're going to use whatever department they can or whatever tactics they can and play dirty to try to get you out of here. And I really felt like the condemnation was a type of retaliation because I think at first they thought, well, we'll tell this guy to leave. Maybe he'll leave. Oh, that didn't work. Well, we won't hook up his utilities. He'll have to leave. Well, they didn't know I was planning to put everything off grid anyway. So, of course, they're like, well, we can't hook up your utilities or anything. I'm like, okay, no problem. You guys just keep your utilities. I'm fine with that. I'll I'll make my own. Uh, well, that didn't get me to leave either. So then they are kind of getting frustrated and say, okay, we got to do something drastic now. Well, we're going to condemn your house now, you know, threaten to take you to jail if you don't leave. Well, that didn't get rid of me either because I pretty much called their bluff on that. They're like, oh, because what they told me was if I stayed here that I would be arrested 
for trespassing. So I said, how is it trespassing? It's my own property. It's my land. So, you know, I have that, you know, threat hanging over my head. But like I said, I feel like it's really just an empty threat because uh, what, would, what would they hold me on? What would they charge me with? So anyway, that's kind of how all of this has, has come about. And like I said, we're really fighting them on two fronts. There's the zoning ordinance aspect of it that has to do with the, the trailer, as they call it, or mobile home. And then there's the uh, the condemnation or the community development aspect of it, which says that you know we're living in unsafe conditions because we don't have city utilities hooked up. And I kept asking, well, what what makes it unsafe? And they keep saying, well, that's just what the that's just because the ordinance says that. I said, well, what ordinance? They haven't even been able to tell me because there's not any there's not any ordinance that says you have to have city utilities hooked up. It just says, okay, you have to have a source of power, a source of water, you know, a source of heat, uh, you know, sanitation facilities, et cetera, which we have all that. But they keep trying to say, well, this is not an approved source or it's not a permanent source. Okay, well, guess what? You know, the power, the power in this area has been out several times since I lived here. Uh, my power generated by my solar panels and my batteries has not been out once. It always works. So regardless of what tornadoes come through and mess up their power grid, uh, my power is always on. So I think mine's a little bit more permanent than theirs is. But they keep trying to say, oh, that's not a permanent source. It's not an approved source. And I say, well, what what makes it an approved source of power? They said, well, approved is whatever we say it is, and we say that it's city utilities. So essentially, you have to be hooked up to city utilities in their eyes and anyway. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a, it's exactly for people who listened last week and heard uh, you know Robin Speronis tell her story. I mean it's it's eerily uh um you know reflects what what you're talking about here. Almost like these uh, these local bureaucrats are operating out of the same playbook uh or maybe it's a certain type of uh of uh, individual who thinks a certain way, who is drawn to that particular job and they respond that way. But uh, she actually beat him in court at first. Uh, and uh, um, I suppose I should go back a little bit and explain that, uh, you know, she lived happily for a couple of years off the grid, no problem, very quietly in her house there. And, uh, I'm sure uh, no one even nobody noticed. Said, nobody even noticed until some uh, um, uh, reporter came out and was doing a story on, uh, you know, people who are, you know, back to the land, living off the grid, and they interviewed her. And uh, it showed up on the nightly news, I guess. And the next day, some zoning guys showed up to her property and uh, wanted to shut down her entire house. And they did the same thing to her they were doing to you, you know. Uh, she actually beat him in court at first, and that really pissed him off. When she beat him in court, that's when they really got nasty, and they tried everything. I mean, they called in state the state health officials saying that uh, she was spreading human waste all around her property uh, and uh, had them come in to take soil samples off her property to uh, to prove that you know that that she was uh, when she used the toilet she'd take it and just go spread it around the grass outside which is absolutely crazy she uh, she said she used a camp toilet you know a regular camp toilet it was very sanitary you know just like you do and and I've said this many times that you know around here I'm sure around where you are too people got dogs as big as ponies that are out there out in the grass all the time and they're yards oh, are littered with, uh, with dog manure all over the place and nobody says one word about that uh, and uh, don't complain about that at all but uh, yet you try to uh, um, you know you try to, to live a little differently from somebody else 
then uh, then forget it. They're all over you. But a lot of it comes down to money, at least in her case, it comes down to revenue. And one of the big fears that she related, at least in her belief, was that uh, this really threatens the establishment by doing this type of stuff because they don't have control uh, at that point. There's a lot of money involved. And there's a lot of control involved. And so they control you when you're on sewer, when you're paying for the water, when you're paying for electricity. If you're collecting, uh, if you're collecting your own rainwater and you're using that uh, rainwater to, to uh, wash your dishes, to bathe, if you're filtering that for drinking water, if you have solar panels and you have a bank of batteries, you're, you're living independently. You're not paying, you're not paying these, uh, you know, the taxes on the electricity or on the water. You're not paying for the water facilities. And if more and more people realize how, how easy it is to live like that, then, uh, then that's a real threat to the establishment. It's a real threat to their power and their control. And so, so that certainly is – do you think that's a motivating force in why they're coming after you, or are they just being bureaucrats and just doing what bureaucrats do? I think that's a, you know, part of a motivating factor. I think it all – it really comes back to, to money, even, even in the, the zoning situation, because they t- try to tell me, like, well, you're not allowed to live in a, a trailer, right? I mean, actually, it's not a trailer. It's a it's a mobile home or a manufactured home. It's not like some little rinky-dink, you know, thing that you pull behind you. It's not a camper, essentially. Well, I was going to say, uh, if if you put up a pole building on your, uh, you know, put four four posts in the ground and built yourself a little pole building there, uh, you know, and lived in that, are they going to complain about that and find some reason why that's not acceptable? I mean, it doesn't. Every home is is manufactured. It doesn't make any sense. Probably. To me whether I mean, they yeah, always yeah. they always find something to complain about. Here, what I've come to realize is that uh, if they want to get you on something, they'll find something to get you on. Because guess what? Sure. Everybody's doing something wrong. If you go and read, go read to your city zoning ordinance. Um, you know, probably thousands of pages. You'll probably find things in there that you had no idea were even in there. <laughs> You're probably doing yeah. stuff wrong that you don't even know about. So yeah, yeah, just I challenge anyone go. If you think you're not doing anything wrong. Go start reading through all the laws and find Listen, out. Listen, there's not there's doing there's books. Wrong. There's a books written about how people commit three felonies a day without even realizing they're doing it. You know, and I'm not talking about speeding. I'm talking about you know driving above the speed limit. I mean, I'm talking about just going about daily life that people commit three, four felonies every single day on average, and they don't they have no clue they're doing it. So it's all over the place. Anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So yeah, so power, control, money. This is the b- b- big so, motivating factor in why these guys go after you. So as I, as I was saying here, like here's the hypocrisy of this. There is a dealership right in the middle of the city, like right uh, right off the parkway, that actually sells mobile homes. Now they have they have their lot set up selling mobile homes, but yet the city tries to tell me that I'm not allowed to live in one, even though there's actually a lot of other people around the city that already live in them, and there's a lot of businesses that operate out of them. Hey, but guess what? I'm not. You know, I'm not buying a, a brand new one or a brand new house or whatever. Um, I'm not. I'm not a business, so I'm not generating uh, a lot of tax revenue for the city. I'm not hooked up to their, you know, utilities and stuff. So I'm not paying them money every month. I really think it's about money because I guess they view all those other entities as well. This is somehow giving us money, but what am I giving them? I'm not really giving them anything. So you know, because of that, like, well, we gotta shut you down. You're not gonna not gonna pay us anything because they don't want you to ever really own anything, you know, just of yourself. They want you to come out here and you know build a brand new house and spend 
$200,000 and have money going to the bank every month and, uh, you know, create new jobs for all the people that have to come and construct it, I guess, and, you know, just develop more infrastructure and stuff like that. Or they want you to be renting, which you're giving money to someone else, and that's causing a business, uh, you know, flow. They don't want anybody to ever really just be completely debt-free and not have to pay anything because our society really is driven by debt. So... Yeah, I, think, I mean, that's I exactly what it is. It's, debt. it's not credit. I'm glad you used that term, by the way, here, because, uh, you know, let's just, just just for one second there, just focus on that. You talk about debt, not credit, because they use this euphemism all the time, credit. What's your credit score? You know, is your credit score high enough? And uh, have you built up enough credit over the years, this type of stuff? It's not credit we're talking about, man. We're talking about debt. And it's 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 debt is this dirty word they don't want to use. They want to use this, this euphemism for it. But in reality, that's what it is, and, and this this mentality today, the uh, the culture today is that you know you buy this new car at zero percent interest or at one percent interest, but hey, I got a great interest rate on it. But now you bought this new car and and uh, but you got to pay this thing off now for the next twenty years rather than buy a used car that's got you know forty thousand miles on it and save yourself a ton of money. No, I got to get this brand new car here, so I got that. I got a brand new John Deere ride-on lawnmower here that I got that I financed from uh, Home Depot. I've got my house here that I spent two hundred thousand dollars. But hey, I got it at four and a half percent interest. Great interest rate here, you know. But so I'm paying for this. So you've got all of these charges, all these finance charges. You never actually own anything. And I'm going to live in this house for seven years, and then I'm going to sell it and buy another house. And you never actually own anything. All you're doing is uh, is you're just trading. You're, you're piling on the debt, more and more debt. And that is the culture here. It's 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 unfortunate. It's but but you're you're. I think that I, I I'd like to believe things are changing. I I don't you know. I mean your 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 attitude about this is is refreshing to hear, because it's so different from uh, from when you go out and you talk to people out in the street. It's totally different than uh, at least in in the area where I am. Maybe not around Huntsville, Alabama. I'm not sure. Well, you know you're right. I think you know some people are kind of you know waking up to it. For for me, I've been pretty much ever since I paid off uh, my student loans a few years ago. So I've been pretty much completely debt free because all my vehicles that I own are paid for. I try to I try to minimize my bills as as much as I can. And like you can look at people of similar income levels as us, and I feel like I'm way ahead because all those people. They just have they just have so much debt and bills that they're paying every month, and it's like, huh? Well, can I can I afford to go to Taco Bell? I've only got five dollars left in my bank account. I was like, I I can't stand to live that way from paycheck to paycheck, knowing that I just barely make enough to pay all my bills. But you know, if I get a raise and get another hundred dollars a month, oh, I can now get the uh, you know the super package from Directv or whatever. I don't yeah. I don't want to be have all that bills and stuff knowing that I have to have to pay every month. I think we've been lied to and we've been sold uh and tricked into buying all this stuff that we can't really afford in a lot of situations. I used to have a friend that uh you know, when I when I was in the Marine Corps, you know, a lot of the guys that lived in the barracks and stuff um because your house is paid for, basically, you can afford to spend all your money on your car if you want to do that. And some guys uh, would go that route. So they would go get themselves like a really nice car and stuff that they couldn't really afford, but they would be financed for anyway. 
And then, of course, the insurance and everything on it would be astronomical. So they were literally paying the majority of their paycheck just to have this nice car. And my friend would always tell me, like, yeah, you know what's so great about my car? It's got blah, 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 engine, double overhead cam, you know, three drive shafts, whatever. And uh, I would be like, well, well, you know what the really great thing about my car is? Um, I have the title for it. The bank does yeah. it. It's mine, 100%. <laughs> it's and that's the same way I feel about this house. Yeah. People, you know, say like, oh, it's a, just a, it's a trailer, it's a mobile home, whatever. Um, well, guess what? It's mine. It's 100% yeah. mine. I've, you know, nobody else owns it. It's, it's mine. You know, so that's the, that's the way I feel about it. Like, I realize this is not some uh, super uh, upscale, nice place that we got here, but it's very livable, it's very comfortable, and it's mine. So, and, you know, and, and part, yeah, and, and part of the thing, too, here is that, uh, you know, you own this piece of earth you got there. You, you've you've uh, you bought this, uh, this, this uh, uh, you know, mobile home that you got, and 10 years, 15 years down the road, you know, you, who knows what you're going to be doing there. You got, you own the land. You could you could build a bigger house if you got, you want to have a bunch of kids or something like that. It's up to you, but you're not stuck under this ridiculous debt, and, uh, and, and that's an important point to make is that, you know, you got a lot of options that a lot of people don't have because a lot of people have to, uh, um, you know, they're stuck with these, these crazy finance charges that they're, they're living under, just barely making it. So they lose their job or something happens or, you know, God forbid the economy goes south like, you know, so many people think it's going gonna, it's gonna to do here, uh, the way that we keep, you know, messing around uh, uh, in this country, that if something bad happens, then, uh, then those people who have those, you know, who, who are living that way, living with these uh, – uh, you know, expensive houses, expensive cars, all of this stuff, just barely scraping by, living paycheck to paycheck, then uh, then, then they're going to be in serious trouble. And you know what? You're not going to be in serious trouble. You're doing the right thing. You just got to outlast these bureaucrats, unfortunately, is what it comes down to. So that's it. And it's a sad state of affairs that in Florida, for instance, where, you know, Robin was telling me, Robin Spironis was telling me last week that they're working now on a constitutional amendment for that state that protects people who want to live off the grid. And uh, that they can't be harassed, they can't be intimidated, they can't be thrown in jail by these these local bureaucrats. Who uh, that's what they're intent on doing is just you know following this these uh, these vague you know ridiculously written ordinances. And and you know and I understand. I mean some of these things are for safety reasons. You know I mean, a lot of it's been been developed over the years for how how you know far apart you. Like if you're stick building, how far apart you want to put, uh, you want to you want to uh, build your walls, you know, where you want to put the load bearing walls, uh, um, uh, where you want to, you know, put your your house far apart, you want to spread the joists or put the rafters, this type of stuff. Uh, what size nails you want to use? A lot of these things have been a trial and error and engineering learned over the years. So some of this stuff is worthwhile, but some of these 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 zoning rules and ordinances are absolutely absurd. They're totally ridiculous. We have rules around here where you can build up. You can, if you've got livestock, you can build any size barn you want. But if you don't have any livestock, well, then you got to go through all of these ridiculous, crazy, crazy ordinances. Pay all this money in order to do it. So a lot of people will get a goat and then go outside and build themselves a big barn or a big shed in order to get around it. But if you didn't know that and you just built the barn, then then they could come around and shut you down. So you know, crazy stuff that's going on. So what's your right. so, so, hey, hey, let's 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 stop a minute here and talk, be positive a little bit. So so can you explain to listeners what your setup is right now? How exactly do you live off the grid? How do you live without city water? How do you live without electricity? Well, uh, for electricity, we use we use solar power, and it's 
solar power is actually fairly easy to to set up. It's not some because you can do it yourself and you can save a lot of money. Um, if a company were to come out and install everything for you, they would charge you five or six times as much as what it would cost you to actually do it yourself. Uh, so the first thing is just finding the panels. Um, we're actually going to get some more today. I've already got I've got 1,500 watts of, of solar uh, output power generated by my panels. It's six panels, and they're they're 250 watts a piece. And uh, so after you hook those up, you run you know it runs DC power uh, into your house, and then uh, we have a charge controller. And what that does is it takes the, the high voltage DC and converts it down to your whatever voltage your battery is. Either I've got a 12 volt circuit and I've got a 24 volt circuit. And for batteries, what I'm what I'm running is uh, there's six volt golf cart batteries. And I've got those ran uh, two in series to make 12 volts, and we've got four batteries on that setup. And on the other setup, I've got eight in uh, parallel. So there's four in series to make 24 volts and then four more paralleled off of that and uh that's pretty much what powers our house all night a golf cart battery like this they're um it's made for for slow long or deep drain so it's a little bit different than a, a regular car battery but you know, kind of kind of the same um so basically a big car battery and each one of these is 250 amp hours so Altogether, we really have about about 12 uh, kilowatt hours of storage capacity right now. So that's, I mean, to me, that's plenty for what our needs are at, at this point. Um, and again, like I'm still building and making our system better and like constantly improving and stuff. But uh, we have everything we need right now to support our basic needs. I mean, I can run, you know, all my my TVs and our fans, and uh, you can even run the generator off of it. I mean, not the generator. You can even run the air conditioner off of it uh, wow. for a little while. Uh, we've got a generator we run for backup, and sometimes I'll run my air conditioner off of that when it gets really hot outside. But during all the winter months and stuff and in the early spring, I probably didn't crank the generator for like three or four months just because we had plenty of power for all we needed. Um, we run our microwaves off of it. Uh, just, you know, all the regular kind of electronics that you would think should be in a home, we have. I mean, I've got my, you know, my flat screen TV and my Xbox. You know, I'm not... Really? You know, wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, people huh. think that we're so it, different or whatever because we're not connected to the grid. We're really, I mean, I tell people, you know, it's, you would find everything you would find in a normal house, just like normal people would have, because we are normal people. Do you, you run know, a refrigerator really too? Not, you re yeah. We run a, a refrigerator. I've got uh, a mini fridge and a large, like full size freezer wow. that I run. Yeah. So one of the things about my my freezer though, it's a it's a chest freezer. So it's one of those big sure. ones that sits on the ground and then, then you open a lid. Well, those are yep. actually a lot more efficient. Uh, because when you mm -hmm. open the lid, all your cold air doesn't fall out. When you have a regular upright refrigerator and you open that door, every time you open it, all your cold air falls out and you have to start over again, basically. But with a chest-type design, it actually doesn't. It's actually a lot more efficient. And what a lot of people sure. on grid have found, 
I still use mine primarily as a freezer. But what some people have done is if you go in there and tinker with your thermostat a little bit to make it run a warmer temperature, like a refrigerator-level temperature, it only uses about a fifth of the energy as a conventional refrigerator does. Hmm. So that's just, you know, one little trick to think about for people that are trying to trying to do this. But just look at all your appliances. I think more than anything, it's kind of a choice in what appliances you buy and run. Look at the energy rating on it and figure out, well, how much, how many watts is this pulling? Uh, I try to, you know, Soraya, my girlfriend, I try to discourage her from running her hair dryer all the time <laughs> because cause that draws like, you know, almost 2,000 watts of power. People don't think about, well, how much wow. power am I using with my hair dryer? You know, a modern yeah. TV, though, you're using a, maybe 100 or less. For a 50, yeah. Our 50-inch TV uses about 100 watts. You know, my 32-inch TV is only wow. about 40. And all yeah. of our lights, we have we have the LED light bulbs that they're only using, you know, 6 to 8 watts of power. Sure. So yeah. so over conventional uh, light bulbs, that's a, that's a huge... Uh, savings and power consumption right there. So really, the trick is just kind of adjusting your lifestyle to minimize your power consumption and and then provide for your needs as far as that goes. Like I said, you know, we're not not super frugal with our power usages. I mean, I like to have all the same computers and stuff that, that normal people run. So, But what we're able to produce uh, significantly, you know, enough power to sustain all of that and as far as water, I'm just collecting my rainwater off my roof. I've got a 550-gallon tank right now, and I want to get a bigger one. I'm still kind of working on my my water system a little bit, but um, I think what a lot of people don't realize, well, how much how much rainwater can you collect if you're just you know getting it from your gutter off off your house or whatever? Well, our house is 1,280 square feet, so if you do the math on that and say, well, that that's an area, and then multiply by one inch of rainfall. That will give you a volume. So if you calculate all that up and do all your conversion factors and stuff, uh, you'll find that on a 1,280-square-foot house, for every inch of rainfall, that comes out to about 797 gallons of water wow. that you could collect. So Huntsville gets about around 60-something inches of rainfall a year. So at 60 inches of rain a year, that's like 47,000 gallons of water that I can collect just <laughs> off of my roof. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, who really needs more than that? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah unless amazing. you're like farming or doing some kind of agricultural sure. use, uh, you're yeah. never going to use more water than that. So, yeah. it's, but even it's then, there's a lot of possible. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's entirely possible for people to be self-sustaining in these ways. They just don't realize how easy it is, I think, in a lot of cases. And as far as our, our sewage, we use composting. And really, I use composting because I would have I liked to have had the city uh, come and hook up our sewer, but they actually declined to hook it up because of the fact that they say, you know, we're violating the zoning ordinance. They wouldn't issue me any of the permits. So even if I wanted to have the other utilities hooked up, uh, they wouldn't hook it up. So that's the hypocrisy yeah. of it. They say, well... We're going to violate you on a health code or whatever for not having your sewer hooked up. But, yeah, they're the ones that decline to hook it up. So that leaves me basically with composting because if I were to dig a septic tank, they would say, oh, that's another violation. You didn't get a permit to put that yep. in or whatever. 
So, so I use composting, and composting is safe. It's clean. I think a lot of people sure. don't really uh, understand. But, hey, you know, if your dog uh, poops in the yard, what happens to it? It turns mm-hmm. back into dirt, right? Give it a few days, yeah. uh, and you don't even know it's there anymore. You know, we're yeah. kind of doing the same thing. If it's not spread all around the yard, what you do, we take our, our grass clippings from our yard. I cut the grass, and we rake it all into a pile. And what you take your grass clippings and you kind of mix it all together with your, you know, humanure is what some people call it. But it mixes mm-hmm. all together and you cover over it and you make this big pile and the grass absorbs all the moisture out of it and helps it to dry out and decompose yep. faster. And, you know, after, you know, a few months or whatever, it's all just turned back into dirt. You didn't even know yeah. anything else was there. It's, it's really the yep. natural way that the earth is designed to work. There's a, there's there's a no, book written on it, yeah, called Humanure that uh, goes through all of this this topic, and and it's a it's a growing trend now among uh, um, homesteaders to uh, to uh, create their own composting toilets. But you you're right, you do have to treat it a little differently than than vegetable matter. Like if you're composting, where it's normally about 90 days or so, I think it's about a year is uh, generally before you because you can actually take it and put it on your crops. On the vegetables you grow, the uh, you know the compost that you've you've generated from humanure, but but with the bacteria that's in it, you have to wait about it's about a year I think before you can before it's safe. Right. But lots of information online that in fact there's a whole organization out there uh, on it that is a Center for Humanure I think is I believe is what it's called. <laughs> so they have what? tons of information on there. What's, what's really funny is if you ask people because they say well, well where does your waste go where does your sewage go if you ask, yeah. then turn around and ask them. Well, I know where mine goes. Where does yours go? Well, they don't know. Yeah, yeah. They just say, yeah, well, I don't know. know. I flush it, and it goes somewhere. What happens yeah. to it when it gets to the sewage you know, treatment plant? Sure. What is the city doing with it? Uh, you know, yeah. Are they mixing all kinds of harsh chemicals and stuff with it to sanitize it that are bad for the environment and stuff? I mean, and what happens to it after that? Are they just dumping it, filtering it, and dumping it back into your water supply that you're drinking? That's exactly and that's what they're thing. doing. Another thing, people will say like, "Oh, oh, you're drinking rainwater. That's not safe, is it?" <laughs> well, I mean, first of all, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna use it for consumption, we get we get most of our drinking water. There's these uh, machines at the grocery store. It's like a blue glacier machine or something like that. But you can put a quarter in it, and it'll give you a gallon of filtered water. It's reverse osmosis. I really like to get my water out of those. I started using those. Several years uh-huh. ago, when I was in San Diego, because the water quality, the tap water in San Diego was just atrocious. It was barely drinkable, even by FDA standards, barely drinkable. Sure. Um, so if you take a, a dissolved particle meter, so we've got one. It's a total TDS meter or total dissolved solid. You can stick it in your water, your tap water, whatever, and it will tell you the total amount of dissolved uh, solids that are in your water in terms of parts per million. Well. Somewhere like San Diego, it's like 430-something. The FDA limit is 450, by the way. And you can look up online, and it'll tell you what it is in all these different areas and municipalities. Well, Huntsville City is about, what we measured was anywhere from 150 to about 200, you know, in different areas around the city. Well, our drinking, our our rainwater that comes off the roof, um, two, two parts per million. Well, wow. if you think about it, why? Why? Okay. Well, uh, rainwater is basically distilled water because it evaporated. 
you know, and it fell back down to the ground, in a, you know, from a cloud. And that basically took all the impurities out of it. It's the same way as a, as a distillation sure. process takes all the, you know, impurities out of your mm-hmm. water. And, you know, through distillation, you could take, you know, uh, whatever chemical water, urine, or whatever you want, and make it back into drinking water, essentially. You know, that's kind of what uh, what NASA does on the space station. So they, they distill all their waste, and it takes all the yep. salts, all the contaminants out, and it makes it back into just pure water, and it's basically mm-hmm. pure form. So mm-hmm. that's what rainwater is. Rainwater is really some of the cleanest water that you can get. And other than the contaminants, uh, it picks up off of our roof on the way down. There's nothing added to it. So yeah, Ro- Robin know, was talking again, about last week that she adds minerals to the to it actually because she was commenting that over you do distilled water or something over the years it can actually leach calcium, especially for older women, can leach calcium out of their bones. So uh, so she actually will add minerals to the water that, that she collects from the rainwater. She collects it, filters it, and then uh, any type of particles or something that come off the roof, you know, she'll filter that, just the bigger particles uh, out of it, and then add some minerals in it just to, to get some minerals back into her body uh, through that process. So that's something for t- people to think about. But, hey, Ty, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. You know, t- I, I talk to uh, homesteaders. I talk to people who live off the grid, and I'm just always amazed by how much research that you, that, that you guys have done and, and how knowledgeable you are about this type of stuff. And, and, it's, uh, and it, it really sets you apart from, from regular, just the regular Joes out there who just have absolutely no – like you said, you ask people, well, you flush your toilet, where's your water going, man? What are they doing with your water? People don't have a clue about this stuff. Up. They haven't put any thought into this, and there's this natural curiosity, this uh, this uh, uh, intellect that uh, that I, I've met among these homesteaders and people who are sincerely interested in how they're living and what they're doing with their lives. So I just wanted to throw that out there and interrupt you for a minute there to while, while you're talking about some of this stuff. So how do you get the water into your house? You got a pump, or or uh, or do you? Is it gravity fed? What, what's going on with that? Well, I, I've got a I've got a pump, but I don't have it hooked up yet. Like I said, it's kind of a project that I'm still working on. Uh, right now, I just go out there and get the water. I mean, you know, for our shower and stuff, we kind of do what Robin did as far as having like a camp shower that we just fill up and we take it into our, you know, shower in our house and use it use it there or whatever. We just pretty much go get the water out of it. It's got a little like tap faucet on it and bring it in. And what I'm working on, I've got a, I've got a pump, and I, I bought it at Tractor Supply a few weeks ago, and I just haven't really gotten around to wiring it up yet, um, or getting all the plumbing adapters and stuff. But what that's going to do is it's, it's actually got a, a pressure tank on it, and it's like a 30 gallon tank, and what kind of looks kind of like an air tank, and what it is, it, it really is an air tank, but it has a water bladder inside it, so it's it's air pressure or pneumatic over hydraulic. And what that does is that when you pump more water into it, that raises, it compresses the air inside the tank and it raises uh, the air pressure. And there's a pressure mm-hmm. cutoff switch. So when the tank starts to get full, the pressure cutoff switch on your water pump will turn off and the water mm-hmm. will just sit there in your tank. So as you turn on the water in your house and that water starts to drain out and gets to a low enough level, the pressure will decrease, and that pressure switch will automatically kick your uh, water pump back on to pump more water sure. into the tank. And people that run a well on their house uh, use a, a similar system in a lot of, that, that, a lot of cases. Yeah, that's what we have. 
I got a well. We have very we have the exact same setup there. Yeah. Oh, and here uh, here's some while I'm on that subject, I actually looked into having a well drilled, and I called some companies, and they said, uh, "No way, we're not going to drill inside the city limits." Apparently, apparently, according to them, it's illegal to have a well inside the city, a water <laughs> well. Yeah. Um, why? Why? Money. I mean, money. Yeah, money. You're right. Money. That's exactly they, what it's the way all they about. See it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Utility companies are considered a natural monopoly in most cases. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's why. Uh, why can they have a monopoly? Well, just because they can. So they don't. Of just course, they don't want anything else uh, competing with their yeah. monopoly that they have. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do they have limits where you are and how much rainwater you can collect in a year? I thought I read somewhere around where you guys are in Huntsville that they limit the amount of uh, rainwater you can collect. I haven't seen anything. See, what I what I have read is that it's illegal to collect water in like, um, I think in like open tanks and cisterns because, well, they they frame it as mosquito control. Mosquitoes, yeah. You know, it's not a, it's not about water rights, but they really frame frame it as mosquito control. So people, you know, if you have cattle or whatever and have like a cattle pond out there, there's like restrictions on stuff like that because they don't want people just having open pools of water sitting around. But our tank is actually, it has a, a fine like mesh netting over the top of it where the bugs can't sure. fly into it. Yeah. And so I'm pretty sure like I'm kind of dodging that ordinance because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you if, don't want if that. It really you is don't want about contaminated. Yeah. No, you're, you you're right. You don't want the bugs and the mosquitoes yeah. breeding in it and stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we do have so a lot of a lot of insects, a lot of mosquitoes in our area. And so, oh, so sure. I I see how that's a legitimate concern. They don't want standing yeah. water sitting around all over the place. Yeah. Right. You can build your cistern on uh, uh, elevated, you know. So and then you got gravity feed. I know since you already bought the pump, it's a moot point at this. At this, but uh, I know uh, a couple cases. One where um, uh, Joel Salatin, he's that farmer out there in Virginia. He built a series of ponds up on the hill above his house, and uh, uh, and then uh, waters all of his livestock through these long. Uh, uh, he's bought this these uh, you know those black black uh, water lines that's used for irrigation or for a lot of people mm-hmm. out in the suburbs have them for these uh, for their uh, uh, sprinklers and uh, he runs them all around there and he's got, he gravity feed, feeds all of this and he gets about 30 psi just from building these things up on the side of the uh, the hill and my family in New Zealand did the same thing where they put a big cistern on the hill and then ran three water lines to the house one to the kitchen sink and then two to the bathrooms each of the bathrooms just so that if somebody's running the water in the kitchen you're taking a shower you don't lose pressure and they get great great uh, pressure just by doing that from gravity feed so i don't know if you got any hills or if it's pretty is it flat there in huntsville it's probably pretty flat flat. i don't have that large of an area um unfortunately our top our topography limits us uh right here on you know on my yard is uh as far as that goes but yeah i mean i would say people to utilize whatever natural resources or elements you have in your own uh, landscape to your advantage yep. as much as possible. And I had thought about trying to figure out a way to build the tank up above, you know, put it on a platform above my house yeah. or something. But with, with the weight of it, that just didn't quite seem feasible or really safe. I mean, you could you could construct a platform, but you're trying to talk about holding a 550-gallon tank full of water. That weighs as much as a car almost. 
eight, uh, eight pounds per gallon is what it is. Right. So, eight, yeah. So eight that's eight a lot of weight per gallon. So that's a lot. Of, yeah. That's a lot of weight. A lot of so weight. So I was like, well, yeah. I'm just gonna, you know, I got me some concrete blocks and stacked up, put under it. That way, I've got a couple of feet where I can get under it and put all my jugs and my barrels and stuff underneath it to turn the water on. But I wasn't gonna try to raise it, you know, ten feet in the air or whatever. It just didn't yeah. seem practical. It was, you know, easier just to buy a pump and say, well, we'll pump it into the house. How much juice does that pump? Uh, uh, it's not running all the time either, so it's it's not uh, it's not a constant drain. No, I think it runs about. I think it said like eight amps or something. I mean, it's using over a thousand watts when it's when it's on, but yeah. it shouldn't be on for very long. And our batteries can easily, or my inverters can easily produce that output, but just not for a sustained period. That's what you really have to think about. You're saying. Well, okay, well, a microwave uses a lot of power, you know, and uses about 1,000 yeah. watts. But you're only running it for a few minutes at a time. So really that's uh-huh. not like a huge power concern that you have to think about. What you have to think about is the things that are on all day long, like your refrigerator, yeah. uh, you know, whatever lights you're going to have on for most hours of the day, you know, your TV if you're going to run that five hours a day or whatever. It's the things uh-huh. that are going to be constantly on, it really is where you have to like focus on like your power uh, needs yeah. and stuff. As far as once hey, you know, running out, run out of time here, Tyler. So real quick, how do you how do you heat your home? How do you cook? Real quick. Well, we use uh, propane really for everything. Uh, we have propane uh-huh. heaters, and uh, as far as cooking, we have a we have a, a gas grill. I mean, a, a gas. Uh, Oven, oven inside, but I don't really use it. Um, I think it was actually designed for natural gas, and you can you can convert natural gas over to propane. I just haven't done it yet. We have a propane grill outside with a side burner on it, and we use mm-hmm. that more than anything. So we either use the microwave or we use the grill. And you can right. I mean, we cook pizzas and all kinds of stuff on the grill. You can cook things sure. on the grill that you never really thought about because I mean, yeah. once you turn up the heat in there, maybe just put your stuff on one side of it. It's a large four burner grill. Well, it's going to heat up right. and maintain temperature just like a regular oven does. Yeah, so, sure. I mean, you, there's tons of utility just with a grill. Yeah, and you don't heat up your house either. That's a that's a good thing about cooking outside. Right, not, right. Uh, yeah. You run that oven at, at 350 degrees for 45 minutes in your kitchen, and you're gonna you're gonna bake the inside of your house too at the same time. Oh yeah, all that power and all that heat yeah. has to go yeah. somewhere. Got to go somewhere, man. In Huntsville, Alabama, in July, I imagine it's uh, it's probably pretty warm. So you run that oven, you know, 425 or 350 for an hour or so. It's gonna it's gonna warm up that house pretty good in there. Oh yeah, it gets quite warm here in the summer. So yeah. So what's so what's your plan here? We got about five minutes five minutes left here. Um, uh, you uh, you got you know you just uh, are you interested? Like you know, Robin has turned this into a kind of a bigger issue for the entire state. I mean, really for Florida, are you you just interested in in uh, just you know just sort of living on your own, declaring your independence and being done with it, or are you interested in really turning this into a movement for for uh, so that other people who who want to do this won't, can uh, don't have to go through what you're going through right now? Well. My big goal, because I've always said, this fight is a lot bigger than just us, and we're not the first people that have tried to do this, and we're not the first people that have been, you know, effectively, you know, shut down by the city. I think there's a lot of other people that have, you know, maybe they tried to do something similar to this or whatever, but the city came in and said no, and they just backed down because they didn't have the resources to fight them. Uh, Fortunately, I feel like, 
you know, I'm in a position where I can make a stand and I can afford to fight this fight. And I feel like that's the right thing to do and it's what needs to be done. So that's what I'm planning on doing. And my ultimate goal would be to have the city actually change or repeal or amend all these ordinances that they're trying to cite me on and make it in such a way that uh, people can have this lifestyle if they want to without fear of being harassed by the government. I know that Robin is trying to get a constitutional amendment passed in Florida. And to, like, to me, it's kind of funny because you really already already have constitutional amendments and rights and stuff, you know, both at your state and federal level. It should protect your your general rights to live this way and, and to utilize your property. You have basic property rights, you know, and you have a, the right to uh, no warrantless searches, right? Well, they came out here with no warrant and searched our property and all this stuff because they say, oh, we're the zoning inspectors. We can go wherever we want and search your property whenever we want. I mean, so you, you already have uh, rights yeah. and liberties in place that are supposed to protect uh, this type of lifestyle, but they don't because they just ignore them. So I mean, is is passing a a new law or a new amendment is that really going to make them um, you know follow their own rules? Because in most cases they don't. Really, it's it's more about I think political aware or yeah political and personal awareness and getting people to look at this type of movement and say, uh, hey, this is this is a good thing that these people are doing and they're not hurting anyone, sure. they're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. What I've been yeah. you know, encouraging people to do is, hey, call call our local city government. Call your own local city governments even and tell them that affordable housing and self-sustainability are not a crime. I mean, why should you be treated like a criminal just because you want to live on your own property uh, and be independent? Isn't that really – isn't that the real American dream, the original but they've kind of uh, perverted the American dream and sold, repackaged it and sold it to you in this nice, expensive packaging, saying that you need all this debt, uh, you know, and all this financing to make this a reality. You have to pay, you know, a quarter of a million dollars to have a home to live in. Well, that's just that's baloney, you know. So yeah, no, I think I, it really I, is. Yeah, I mean, we really are trying to take it back a step to a more uh, natural and a more uh, sustainable uh, type of type of living, and we just need people to get on board and see this and say that you know we're not doing something bad. You know, it's not laws that are really going to change. It's it's public perspective and, a, and opinion that really uh, drives you know your officials and your governments to do was right. You can pass as many laws as you want, but unless we hold them accountable for their actions, uh, there's not going to be any accountability back to us as the people. If it's truly a government of the people, by the people, for the people, uh, we need to hold our officials accountable. If uh, if people want to support you, Tyler, there's a lot of there's a, I, I noticed when I was doing some background uh, research on you, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a there's a bunch of uh, crowdfunding um, uh, pages set up for you. There's some some Facebook pages set up for you. What are the ones if if people really want to help you? What are the ones they should go to that make sure that you know that that for example they want to do some crowdfunding that the money actually goes to you and to your legal defense? Or if they want to support you on Facebook, what where, where do they go on Facebook for that? Uh, we do have a we have a GoFundMe set up. It's a uh, GoFundMe.com/slash Tyler Truitt, and uh, all that money is going towards our our legal battle. 
and uh, we have our Facebook. Which, if people want more information about what's going on and stuff, we have a lot more details uh, on there. I made a YouTube video explaining a lot more of the legal aspects of it. And it's uh, facebook.com slash Tyler for Liberty. And people can go go there and uh, find out a lot more information about uh, what's going on. My girlfriend, Soraya, mostly keeps our Facebook up today. She keeps me organized. So, uh, But she puts all the like latest like news stories and information and stuff, kind of consolidates it all into one area as far as what's, what's going on right now. Well, well, thanks a lot, Tyler. I appreciate you. We've spent the hour here discussing this, and I'm, I really appreciate the fact that you were able to get up a little extra earlier than expected, than anticipated, and uh, join us today and tell people your story directly from you. So that, that's, uh, it's, it's always a good thing to get a little education first thing in the morning. Well, thank you for having me on, Chris. Uh, like I said, I was real happy to come on and, and talk to you about all this because I do think it's, it's an important thing that, that people need to hear. You know, uh, We just kind of need to to wake up in a society to all these things that are happening and kind of the real big and long-term picture of, of what we're doing. So, Good. Well, thanks a lot, and uh, and we'll definitely have you back on later on in the year. As the story progresses, I think everybody really wants to know and wants this to be a good, happy ending story and see how this thing turns out. So we wish you the best, and uh, hopefully you can uh, beat these guys down a little bit and, uh, and assert your independence. Um, Thanks a lot, Tyler. Um, and uh, I want to thank all the listeners here for uh, coming out, for listening this morning. Well, we did do a little early, but uh, if uh, um, if you just caught part of the show, if you're interested, or later on, you can always – it's up there in the archive section. You can just go to uh, blogtalkradio.com slash overthrow or go to overthrowradio.com in the archives. I'll post the archives later on today, so you can just download it directly from there and listen to it. Um, thanks a lot uh, for joining us. We've got lots of other shows here on this network. On uh, uh, Sunday night, uh, Tara Beth is doing her show, Harvesting Truth. Uh, that's uh, 8 o'clock at night, and then Mondays is uh, uh, History Today with Paul Angel. That is uh, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, these are all Eastern Standard Time, by the way. Wednesdays, Who's the Bad Guy with Dave Gahari? That's uh, every week. He, he uh, interviews uh, interesting guests, interesting people, a lot of uncensored stuff, some very controversial people that he gets on there, too, so it's always good to go. So thanks a lot, and uh, uh, hopefully we'll uh, get you guys next week. Always, at uh, normally it's we'll be back at our regular time at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks a lot. Have a great day and a great rest of the week. Thanks for tuning into the Farm Radio Show on the Overthrow Radio Network, hosted by Blog Talk Radio. The Farm airs live every Friday from 11 a.m. to noon Eastern Time. Overthrow Radio Network has other great shows as well. On Mondays, tune into History Today with host Paul Angel from 10 to noon Eastern Time. And every Wednesday, there's Who's the Bad Guy with host Dave Gahari from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. For more details, check out Overthrow Radio Network's website at overthrowradio.com. And please take a moment to make a donation to support Free Speech Radio. If you value free speech in the United States, you should definitely support it. Have a great rest of your day, and see you next week.